Welcome to the Cardboard Herald's Off the Table, our weekly discussion show. I am your host, Jack, and I am joined by my co-host, John Foster. How you doing, John? Good. You want to fight about it? Yes, I do. I want to talk about all, right. all the ways that we can get into some sort of conflict, something that we are notorious for doing. Uh, but conflict is an interesting thing when it comes to board games because it's not always just combat and i think we'll get into that but first before we dive in this is supposed to be like a weekly news show and mm -hmm. discussion and there's like no news going on in the world of board games that's well, slow news week yeah slow news week is there anything going on on your table i know this is off of the table but anything new on your table this week um uh, you know actually not uh, not in the world of in a box board gaming but a lot of a lot of D, &D hitting the table lately which is interesting because i'll bring that up in regards to conflict as a, as a good comparison later on yeah you were telling me you actually got a custom mini ordered and you were doing a little bit of painting uh how'd that turn out it's going okay it's not like i'm not going to be doing any basing any crazy <laughs> little fake grass and rocks and stuff i'm not I'm not a top-tier miniature painter. I'm pretty medium, middle of the road. It'll have the right color pants on, you know, and there won't be a lot of blurry stuff. But it's looking good. Yeah. And it's cool. I got it I got it from that uh, that website, uh, Hero Forge. I got it uh, custom-made mini to fit my character. And I, I actually really like how it turned out. So I know you enjoy DMing, but you also like playing as a character. Are you running concurrent campaigns where you're doing a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B right now? Or are you playing uh, one or the other right now? Uh, I'm lucky to be able to do both right now. I have a game that I DM and I have okay. a game that I'm a player in on the side, different group of people. Um, and I'll be honest, pretty much I, I would guess that most DMs would probably secretly love to be a character most of the time if they could. I do right. love creating a story and everything, but uh, but I got to be honest, like it, there's nothing that beats being a player and getting to just play with your toys, you know. But uh, but you know what? Sometimes someone's got to take up the mantle of storyteller, and uh, got too much pop culture nerd stuff going on in this head to to let it go to waste. So you know, someone's got to do it. Are these both five e? Uh, one of them is actually Pathfinder First Edition. That's where I'm a player. First but, uh, Edition. I'm running a, yeah, I'm, I'm not good. I'm not. Uh, well versed <laughs> enough in Pathfinder to be a snob about which edition, um, but apparently it's a you know it's a are you a second edition or first edition kind of person. It's kind of like D and D being right. you know are you a three five or are you a five e but nobody's a four e. <laughs> yeah, people yeah. moved away from that pretty quick. Well, right. I I think because. 4e was too much of trying to make it like a, a rules heavy tactical board game and people were like this is veering too far away from this whole thing but anyway conflict conflict in board games and i guess conflict in tabletop games in general this is a topic that you actually suggested when we were kind of bouncing ideas off the wall seeing what we wanted to talk about this week and i, I wanted to know what was the genesis for this conversation squishy people specifically <laughs> squishy people that i know that are part of my my friend circle or my group of of people in my social circle to game with me um mm -hmm. and i'm just going to preface this by saying that i'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit here um when i'm at the table my chief goal is to make sure that everybody is having fun myself included but my fun doesn't eclipse everyone else's because i i 
I am an empathetic board gamer in a way that I'm not an empathetic person the rest of the time. <laughs> um, but, but I would I really... never describe you as empathetic. Like if I was thinking <laughs> of the, the over 10 years at this point that I've known you, empathetic would not be one of the adjectives that I'd use. Actually, empathetic, just not compassionate, you know? Oh, okay. I understand your go. feelings. I just kind of wish they'd be, you know, somewhere else. No, but the, but in all seriousness, though, um, when it comes to board games, chief importance is that uh, everybody is having fun. No one, no one person's fun can eclipse everyone else's. So with conflict, um, I really enjoy it. it cu- it's the, the seat of where my board gaming started as a kid. Playing Risk with my dad was like a formative experience for me. And then Magic the Gathering, also very heavily competitive and conflict driven. Um, both of those were very influential. But a, a fair number of the people in my social circle right now would be quite the opposite. They're coming into board gaming late in their in their or at a later age, I suppose, um, and they're coming into a realm where games are more accessible in the in the the Euro non-conflict, um, less player interaction, or or the player interaction that is there is cooperative. You know, things that didn't exist when or as much or weren't as prevalent when we started, um, and especially when I started. And so. Um, it occurred to me this week that, you know, I've got a couple people who they're down to play almost anything, but they really kind of are just, it's clear they're not having as much fun when we're going, you know, head to head when we're at each other's throats, you know? Yeah. So when you proposed this idea to me, the first thing that came to my mind is actually something I've thought about considerably, which is that distinction between conflict and combat. Because to me, a game that's a head-to-head game like Magic the Gathering, you mentioned that earlier, or Risk, you know, those are combat-heavy games. I win by destroying you. But conflict can actually come in the form of a lot of games. And there are some games which are minimal conflict. What someone does has very little impact on other players. But it I tend to gravitate, or at least earlier on in our board gaming development, I gravitated more towards Euros and everything, but I still liked the ones that had a a heavy amount of conflict being that there's player interaction where the things that other players are doing are in some sense denying me my capabilities, but at the same time, it's not necessarily combative. And I, I, I'm interested to see, like, do you actually buy into that at all? Or to you is conflict in a game, something where you are directly smushing your opponent? Well, to me, conflict is any kind of interaction with other players or with the system where you are, um, taking overt action to thwart someone else, whether that be denying them the ability to do a thing, Mm -hmm. um, actively taking something of theirs, either you know, killing their people or, or taking their resource or whatever, you know, actively uh, reducing something they already have or taking a position away from them or, um, or preventing them from being able to access something. So, so yeah, I, I'd say it runs the gamut. Anytime you're making a choice that you know will have a direct correlating effect on the opponent like that can be considered some level of conflict. Um, so why why do you think that this is your favorite style of game? Like particularly the combative conflict. Like why are you so attracted to it? Is it because of the history that you have with it? Is it because it's the most mentally stimulating? Is it the competitive nature in you? Like why does Johan Faust here just go straight to the 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 games that followed in the footsteps of Risk? Well. It all started in Taekwondo, (laughs) 
early 1990-something. No, actually, I, I did take Taekwondo as, as most, you know, kids in the 90s did at some point or another. Got myself a yellow belt and, and never suburban white another kids. kid. Yeah, exactly. Very suburban <laughs> white kid. Like, I did karate, you know? I punched a board the one time, maybe. And yeah, never and now you're another a... human being in that in that particular environment. So it was like, you know, I wouldn't use that as my this is my reason for conflict. But uh, right. no, uh, it, actually, I, I brought that up because uh, competitive sports is an interesting difference between you and I is that I grew up playing competitive sports up until my teenage years where I kind of fell off of that bandwagon and fell into more competitive nerdy pursuits. Um, but your experience was that you pretty much didn't play any competitive sports as a, as a kid, no organized competitive sport, right? Yeah, nothing like that. The The most competitive thing that I did as a kid was playing magic with my older brother or dragon dice or, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff or hero quest, you know, a very different type of game, but that dungeon crawl adversarial relationship between me and my brother uh, where he was Zargon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Him kind of putting me in my place, no matter how many heroes that I was controlling that that was the main source of conflict and competitiveness that I had in total in my would youth. You, did you spend a lot of time sitting down playing a game of chess with dad or breaking out risk? No, heck like no. My my dad did not play board games with me. Come on. He he thinks all board games are essentially <laughs> candy land. Like even to this day, he still <laughs> listens to the podcast and he likes the interviews that I do. But like I think somewhere in his mind, he's settled on this is essentially all just Candyland. I have a friend who's like that with video games where he missed the, <laughs> he was just of the wrong generation by a couple years or something, just missed being exposed to that at a young age. And something about it to him, video games are always just going to be, you know, beeps and boops on a screen that just, you know, why, 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 why? Right. Why, as an adult, why? Uh, but, but I guess that was my point is, just, you know, some of it's got to be environmental, right? Mm -hmm. I grew up with a parent who one of the ways I interacted with and eventually, you know, defeated my father, you know, as sort of a uh, rite of passage type experience was to beat him at that, you know, kind of like beating him at arm wrestling or running fast or whatever it is, you know, that you have that moment where you beat dad. Well, mine was when I didn't lose a game or risk horribly. Um, <laughs> there, maybe you even one there you go. There you go. But but so it's got to be somewhat environmental. But the other thing is, is, is I think it's, it's outlook too. Um, uh, and, and here's where I throw in my, my little analogy here. You know, there's a lot of games out there that are that have competition without direct conflict. Mm -hmm. And and that I would, you know, of course, there's, there's cooperative games and all that stuff. And let's set that aside for a second. Let's say if you're competing and there can only be one winner or a, a team of winners, there are the games that are like a, a running a foot race. And then there are the games like a wrestling match. A wrestling match, you have to you have to directly cause your opponent to lose every action you take is an action to prevent them from doing a thing or to stop the you know um to pin them to the mat and they are taking actions to counter everything that you're doing whereas in a foot race unless you're doing a different kind of foot race than i've ever seen if you're running the 100 meter dash and you're like throwing out jabs and stuff and elbows that i would i might watch that actually new olympic sport muay thai dashing <laughs> but um otherwise you know if you're running a, a normal race you know you're just you're doing the best you can in your lane and then you're comparing your end score to the other players and or the other the other racers, right? So that's my analogy there. And some people prefer to be a racer and some people prefer to be a wrestler. To me, where I see the parallel with board games is that um, when you're engaging with the game and you're, you're running a foot race, a lot of times the competition there where it's not direct conflict comes from 
mastering the challenge the game itself presents you. You know, it provides you opportunities, and you are trying to maximize those opportunities with good choices, good decisions, good strategy. But nothing your opponents do impact how difficult that challenge is. It's all whatever the system of the game is. You know, luck of the totally. draw, whatever. But when you're when you're competing directly and there's conflict involved, where the other person can actively work against your interests, then another human being is presenting that challenge. The challenge comes from the other players, and there's something living about that that a board game can't do by itself. That even the best board game system can present good challenges, but but a living thinking opponent who can who can the man is the most dangerous game, right? <laughs> they, I, I, I hate to be cliche there, but it's true in a board game. They present some of the most interesting and exciting challenges that are unpredictable and, you know, I, and I crave that sometimes. Right. You know, I think that uh, the metagame is what plays into this a lot. Like you and I have this established relationship where even if it's a game that we've never played before, if we sit down with it, we know enough about one another that we bring that whole history of playing games to the table. And don't get me wrong. I enjoy playing competitive games with strangers, you know, like that. The, there's a whole video game industry that's built around that, which is great that you can just, you know, hop online with some random people and you could see who's best but i think competitive board games and even video games to a degree are best when you know the person that you're playing against and you can bring that experience to the table and that rivalry to the table again and again but i i'm really interested in the concept that heavy conflict games are, are such a turnoff for a lot of people you're right that, that was kind of the the opening here is they're squishy people you know well we'll say empathetic people uh empathetic people as opposed to gamers uh as you uh made that distinction yourself but you know people who are adverse to these conflict heavy games and i wonder if some of that stems from some of the problem that people have with board games in the first place. I genuinely believe that a lot of people don't want to play board games initially because they don't want to look stupid in front of other adults. We as a society make it, you know, like a, a taboo to ask questions as an adult or to fail as an adult. And if you feel like you're going to be put into a vulnerable position and you're going to be judged for the outcome of learning this game against someone who has a, a distinct history of playing these combative games, then you're going to feel like, oh, this is very uncomfortable and I don't know how to get better and I don't want to be in this vulnerable position long enough in order to get that sort of institutional knowledge of just playing games in general in order to feel like I did what I needed to do. And so instead, the more appealing type of game is the game where you just kind of do your own thing and you get your own outcome and it doesn't really matter because nothing that you did impacted someone else and nothing someone else did didn't impact you. Well, and, and that you, that's a very good point. That hits the nail on the head. And when I say squishy, I think that's, that's a big part of what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people who are, and that, that is not meant to be derogatory in any way. It's just a, a <laughs> shorthand. But, but to be honest, it's, it's, it's me describing people who maybe don't have that hard outer layer necessarily and are more nougat than, you know, crunchy. Um, <laughs> No, but, but it's, it's hard for me to imagine this as non-derogatory when we're calling people. <laughs> I know, I can't, I can't we're calling myself people 
No, but but uh, but the the reality is, is is you know it's also about what you enjoy. It has nothing to do with who, who's going to go cry in a corner because they feel dumb or anything like that necessarily. Right. There is a, there is an element of that. I agree completely. When you're new to a board game, there's a lot of pressure to not appear stupid. Even for even for an experienced gamer, you might still feel that um, uh, if you've never played this specific game before. And I know mm-hmm. early on in our game the other, I would become frustrated more often when I felt like I wasn't performing. There was a game maybe you were clearly better at or had an edge on you know, whatever the skill was that it took that particular mechanic, you were just better at it. Mm-hmm. And I would become frustrated that I wasn't able to compete at the level I thought I should. And that was less about feeling like, well, Jack judging me and more about I was beating myself up. That but was we you and I. Yeah, that was you and I in our mid twenties and toxic masculinity as like a, a culture. You know, like we felt like our our value was in how we could best one another, and because we were both nerds, instead of besting one another in on a football court or, or a basketball yeah. court, yeah, we had to take it out on the Eclipse game or you know on some net runner or something like that. So I felt the exact like same one way. One on one, like this jerk is beating me at, at Summoner Wars. <laughs> I'd say it was something, you know, those types of experiences that where we were going head to head and, and, and one of us would struggle versus the other one. And I, I would take it personally, my own performance kind of personally in that regards. And that's a long time ago at this point, but, um, but it's still, it's, it's, it's a reasonable feeling to have, but also there's the sense of not want to ruin some, uh, not wanting to ruin someone else's good time either. Some people totally. just don't want to be the one who attacks first, you know? Um, and so that, and that's also a totally reasonable feeling. Um, so, so my my thought, jokes about being squishy aside, um, is that look, I'm not going to force anybody to play something, because, you know, against their nature, and I'm not mm-hmm. going to say you know they just need to condition themselves. Or honestly, lean into what you love, try new things, and if you've never tried a conflict heavy game, give it a try. Give a few of them a try to see if there's one that fits you. But if it's just not for you, if you like wingspan and you're just not going to sit down and play. Uh, you know, which is a great example of the non-conflict game, right? Did that come to your mind just because Wingspan represents non-conflict games to you or because it's, it's over my shoulder? shoulder. And, uh, yeah. No, actually, it absolutely is the current representation. If you ask me non-conflict, I would just say Wingspan. No problem. Right. And that's because one of the people in my group actually really loves the Wingspan uh, game on the Switch. Yeah. yeah. But which... oddly enough, is totally down to play a really heavy conflict-driven game like Game of Thrones, too. So... Well, let's talk about like, you know, what are some of your favorite examples of conflict heavy games, uh, both in a game that you think leans most into your preference, but also maybe something that you'd offer to someone who's like, I don't know about this whole conflict thing as like an introduction to this. This may be an alternative. This isn't me destroying you, which I would prefer to do, (laughs) but this is still conflict that I would like to, you know, get you dipping your toes in the water. I I can only answer half that question and I'll tell you why. Yeah. Because this, the game in mind is actually one where you absolutely are just a jerk to each other. Yeah. But funny enough is it's how I tried to raise my daughter to be a board game. <laughs> <laughs> so have you ever played Survive? Yeah, I've played like Survive before. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not super heavy on mechanics, uh, but it's very take that. Um, and so I actually used that. That was my like litmus test of conflict 
where you know you don't have to it's, it's something that you don't take too seriously and it's not so long that if you really get trounced it ruins your whole evening because we can just we can do something else after that and it's pretty whimsical right. uh and it was definitely how i tried to introduce my daughter to not so much the conflict aspect of like ah oh, all those other players but so much as like um how to take being losing how to take being thwarted by someone else uh, gracefully and mm-hmm. enjoy the act of well fine some you you've sea monstered my dude in the boat well <laughs> i'm gonna do i'm gonna get you back now and really just you know make it fun and that's the right. point is, is what i was getting at earlier was just that look if it's not fun don't try to force it but if it is something you enjoy you know dabble with different types and stuff like that and you know um that's one uh, i don't know where would you start someone on that well, if I was starting someone off, especially if they were turned off by the idea of like, you know, me breaking out War of the Ring or even a a, a a game that is in that vein, but you don't have the barrier of time because a lot of conflict heavy games are also like, this is going to be a four hour investment. Um, so Small Samurai Empires is a great example of a shorter game but still is a conflict heavy game um light enough that i think if someone was like yeah i played risk as a kid uh and i enjoyed it then oh that's a that's a great place to start but if someone was hesitant to do something like that honestly my new bay the thing that i'm sitting down with the most right now is azul i'm playing that all the time with my wife and this is one of those games that made me think about the difference between conflict and combat because there is no combat in azul but everything that you're doing is potentially uh going to be denying something else to your opponent and to play azul well you have to think about what your opponent needs and if you are playing azul really well you're going to put your opponent into really precarious situations where they're going to suddenly be like why do i have like nine blues left on the table and that's all I can take. And suddenly I have like negative 20 points at the end of my turn. Not everyone's going to want to play that way. But I think if you kind of onboard someone with the concept of, Hey, this light game of putting tiles on the, the bottom of like a Citadel floor. Uh, if you can jive with this game, then I think, I can explain how this represents some of the concepts that are in more traditional themes of conflict games and then kind of translate into some of that kind of stuff. Alternatively, I do something like Dune Imperium. Dune Imperium is a great example of a game where it's worker placement. Worker placement is a sense of denial from uh, opponents. Like you can take key spaces away from opponents, but that's just interactivity. You don't necessarily have to snipe something from them. But at the end, literally, there's the conflict phase in which it's not really a combative system. If anything, I think of it more like an auction. Yeah. It's a score comparison. I've contributed this much. You've contributed that much. And then we can reveal a little bit more and then just people get whatever they get out of it at the end. But I think that is a nice bridge to the idea of like combat doesn't have to be an all or nothing thing. And I think that's where we veer into the areas of, uh, like 
what makes combat in games more distinct from one another. I prefer games where it's not an all or nothing thing. You know, I think of risk and I think of my army is going to be meeting with your army and one way or another, one of us are completely decimated. And if things really got bad, then like everything I've worked towards up until this point has just been ruined. Whereas I really prefer games that are conflict heavy games, but your combat, your your attack on me hasn't undermined the totality of what I've been working towards. Or I have things that I can do both as preventative measures. I can see what you're doing and hopefully lessen the blow of your, your attempted infiltration. Or I can do something in the midst of combat in order to minimize the impact, giving me a lot more agency and also hopefully not making it so that it just ruined my entire game. So let me let me roll back because you just unloaded a whole lot of uh, conceptually a whole lot there. That, that's me. That's me. Ramble Eddie. So so the first well, and you made some really good points. Uh, Azul is actually that's a, a great pick. Um, I liked my survive as my litmus test is kind of a take a lighthearted approach, but a very take that type environment you know a lot of people's mm -hmm. early experience would take that would be something like munchkin too and while I, i'm not a big munchkin fan myself i see the virtue of something like that as being you you don't have to take it too seriously um but azul that's a great example um and, and anything worker placement or drafting related where um it's it's a neat i don't know i don't know that you specifically said this but what's cool about it is that the conflict isn't actually something that you see on your first playthrough if you're a new player, you're just thinking, ah, I just want to make the best tile floor I can, you know, or I just want to draft the best cards I can. And it's only actually through experience that it becomes a conflict as you become a good enough player to go, oh, I can play my game and I can make choices that directly, you know, limit the opponent. That's a really cool way to sort of dip your toe in and sort of ease into now I can be a more aggressive player because my choices are more or more passive aggressive in some ways. I'm, I'm setting my opponent <laughs> for failure. I'm not taking anything from them. You know, I'm not, I'm not doing anything to attack them, but I'm denying them opportunity. And that is its own form of conflict. I, I think that was a good example. Yeah. Um, but roll into the more direct. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say another example of, of a game that we both love is Seven Wonders Duel. I mean, the denial in the draft there. That's extremely like, conflict heavy to me. And then what? you also have that tug of war uh, between I'm trying to get my leg up on the science, but I'm also pushing the the military aspect towards you. Not co combat, for sure, but there's still this tension where I'm gaining things and simultaneously denying you things, uh, which is putting the pressure on you. That is a great example of a game where, where drafting is inherently kind of a passive-aggressive conflict where you're only... Well, it's, it's again, not taking overt action so much as denying opportunity through mm -hmm. choice, you know? And so so the, the hate drafting, you know, taking what your opponent wants. Well, you know, that's always there in a drafting game, but usually it's a, a secondary aspect of it. And ideally, you're maximizing your own choices as your, your primary motivation. Uh, but then some of them take it to the next level. Duel really forces you into that sort of knife fight in a phone boothy type environment of everything I do opens an opportunity for my opponent. And every opportunity I take is something that, you know, gets me an edge on them. So, yeah. And especially with the meters, the instant win meters of having the military of science really add that pressure. Uh, interesting way to take a drafting game and really turn it into an aggressive conflict game without necessarily advertising it as that. Um, 
and I, and I don't think anybody feels too bad about you know the conflict in that either, because at the same time you're still actively building something for yourself, and you're not really stopping your opponent from playing. And and that gets into when you talk about combat. We talked about okay, let's you know the getting away from the passive stuff and getting into conflict-heavy games that are real overt. Um, there is a design philosophy that I think is important to to look at when you're picking a good game. And I actually roll back to old Magic: The Gathering uh, designer journals. I I mean I still I still love referencing that because they they grew so much over such a long time as a game design company, and they had a lot of stuff out there in the early 2000s on their website that was really interesting. Um, and I would read those articles weekly. And one of the ones that they pointed out is how, how they learned over time to be very careful with at least two specific types of strategy, counterspelling or denial, as it's popularly referred to. Um, <laughs> as the kids refer to as, it. Yeah, as the, as, the, as the young magic players might know it as. Now, uh, there was, there's denial, the act of actually countering your opponent's spell, so it never lands on the table at all. It just goes to the graveyard, you're done. Um, and land destruction. And what's interesting about those is, and what they talk about is that it, you know, you could drop a creature on the board and the opponent could instantly lightning bolt it the next turn and you'd feel, you know, okay, hey, he had to work for that. He destroyed my thing, but that's what it's there for. I mean, he's not going to let a threat sit on the table. They're going to destroy it. But then why is that different than me using a single card to counterspell it? Well, because then it never even got to go on the board. It never, you know, it prevented me from even playing the game. And that's the key right there. The same thing is true of, of resource denial, the land destruction. You know, If I am playing a spell that destroys land, now I'm denying the opponent the opportunity to do anything. I'm not destroying the thing they've done. I'm preventing them from doing anything in the first place. And so when you look at conflict games, you want to avoid the types of mechanics that prevent the players from actually playing the game. And going back to the combat version of things, risk is like that in that when you have an all or nothing situation, but also your resources are heavily dependent on uh, your board position. You know, every territory you lose, every time your continent gets taken away from you, your ability to do things in the next turn is minimized and you lost something at the same time. So it's a double threat and no one likes sitting there not being able to play because they're, they're being attacked. You know, what I really like is when a game makes a distinction between the elimination of your opponents as well as the the condition with which you win a combat like i i think a commit i think of game of thrones uh where like your your total value your your total strength in this combat is a distinct thing from the amount of enemy units that you're going to end up killing and that gives you a, a lot more interesting decisions while you're the attacker, but it also softens the blow as the defender, right? You know, because you know that your opponent is uh, going to have to make that choice between what they're going to try to deny you as a resource for the future, you know, killing your units or possibly successfully winning that combat in and of themselves makes it a lot more meaty and interesting of a situation. I agree, and that's why that's where combat or conflict games have evolved over you know decades. Is that the idea of okay, the victory condition should also tie into the resource. It just means that the better you do, the more you can do, and the worse you're doing. You know, if I'm losing by points, then I'm also losing the ability to do anything. Um, I would hold up, and actually, why don't we break out a Twitter question early? I believe one of the questions was, uh, "What's one of our favorite conflict-heavy games?" 
Komet is right up there at the top of my list. And one of the major reasons, aside from how much I love the asymmetry and the gradual buildup of, of powers, um, is that the the conflict aspect, I mean, it's vicious. The whole game, most of the points you're going to get are, drive, are driven by attacking the opponents. Um, but then you also don't care so much that you lost anything. There's no ownership. There's no right. sense of being denied opportunity to do something. If I capture a temple... Maybe I'll get a point if I keep it at the end of the round. But at the same time, I also know that I'm a target. So as soon as someone attacks me, I don't take it personally. And no one else does either. <laughs> because that just weakened their army and now they're going to get attacked. It's, I it's, take it personally, John. Well, every time. you should. Because yeah. always, I'm always out for you. Okay. Um, but no, I mean, that's that's it's exactly what you said. It's why I picked that one. Also, Cyclades is another great example. Same same designer or same uh, company, rather. Um, and one of the reasons I like Cyclades is... is that it has a really good catch-up mechanic where resource is kind of determined by board position, but when you are so terribly thwarted to the point where you're just knocked down to the bottom of the ladder, you actually have a mechanic to generate resources to catch right back up and get back in the fight. And there is a limitation because if the game ends, you have two metropolises, you know, there's a limitation on how far ahead you can truly get of anyone. No one can ever be at a point where they can't possibly win and no one is ever at a point until the very end at least and no one is ever at a point where they can't possibly come back you know i i was actually really well prepared for this question uh which uh shout out to kyle uh from give pause hobby for giving us that question but um I recently did a top 10 of just my favorite games of all time. So I can look at what are my favorite games that happen to be conflict heavy games. Um, and I think uh, obviously I'm a huge fan of Root. And I think one of the reasons why I like Root so much is that the combat, it, it's a known quantity when you go in what the maximum possible amount of damage you can do. You have the dice, you're going to roll both dice as the attacker, and then you're going to get the higher number, your opponent's going to get the lower number, and that's going to be how much you kill of one another's units. There's no defending or shielding or anything like that. I, I really like... Um, that you get the higher uh, roll as the attacker, but roll two dice. Um, I think that makes for some really interesting situations. And they're essentially, a, uh, it's a zero to three scale over 12 sided dice. Uh, and the implications of that are really interesting, especially when you have like certain factions like the Woodland Alliance that even as the defender, they take the higher roll, which is a huge advantage for them. Uh, but I, I like that in that game, actions are expensive. You you have to exert a lot of your, your time, your capability in order to take actions. So you're not going to be doing tons of attacks in a turn. And even if you are, the maximum enemy units that you're going to be able to take over are three units. And it's more likely that the opponent is spread out across the board. The, the combat is just one small foothold in a series of distinct maneuvers that would have to happen. It's rarely going to be like some deterministic thing where if I win this combat, then I have fully won the game, unless you're right at the verge of winning the game because of points or something. But at that point, you've probably seen it coming for a few few rounds at this point. And then 
I also uh, really love Game of Thrones, which I mentioned earlier. A fantastic game that I think is the the more traditional dudes on a map area control game. Uh, and like I already mentioned, the the maneuverability, the malleability of combat in that is really awesome. But it's severe when it does happen. And then um, one thing that occurred to me is that. Uh, Pax Pamir, also by the same designer as Root, uh, has a, a effectively closed system when it comes to its economy, where uh, the the money is pretty much a zero sum game. There's a pool of money that's going to be available in the game, and nothing is going to modify that money. And so if you consolidate money in that, you're essentially chokeholding your opponents, uh, which is really important. But if you're not spending that money, then you're not gaining anything in and of yourself. And it's an example of an economic conflict that I, I really love which is actually way better than the, the the combative conflict in that game. Um, so th those are examples of some of the ones that I absolutely love. But I, one thing I can't escape from, uh, you mentioned it earlier, you always go for me. I know that's not you. You play to win. But combat games invite a level of weird metagaming, uh, that, that kind of uneasiness where people either don't play the game as it really intends on its own merits or, you know, they, they, I'm never going to attack my wife or, you know, have certain rules about, oh, I'm just going to be peaceful and help myself or even king making which in today's environment has become like such a, a a taboo thing to say that your game has king making but do you spend time thinking about this stuff i know i do i, I after every game that i play that's heavy combat and someone isn't um like i just spend a lot of time contemplating the the meta nature of combat in games well, as probably one of arguably the most dispassionate person people that you'll play with, but also <laughs> one of the worst table talkers. Like I will, I will pedal favor right, wherever right, right. I can. Um, yeah, absolutely. the The social aspect of a combat game or a conflict heavy game is huge for me, uh, but has just as many pitfalls as, as virtues. Um, and yeah, king making is generally a negative thing. Um, I, you know, there's some arguments to be made how it's, you know, I've heard interesting things about how actually Root's designer really intended it to be a focus of the, or part, an integral part of the game, at least. Um, you know, that's its own thing. But um, uh, when we talk about some of that, some of those those behaviors are some of my personal pet peeves. And some of it just comes from people maybe not being very um, inclined to play a conflict-heavy game. So they, they adopt certain behaviors to make it you know, fun for them. Like, right. for example, you know, some people maybe maybe they're playing with their girlfriend or their wife or their husband or you know their significant other or whatever, and uh, and they usually play friendly games with that person. They play wingspan or they play you know competitive non-conflict games, right? Um, with that person, and so now they're not really in a position where they're going to have to go home and live with whatever they do at this table. But also, they're not really accustomed to being at each other's throats. So when they get to the table, maybe they just instinctively point themselves at other players 
Or conversely, maybe this is an opportunity to take out some unwanted aggression on each other. My wife never holds back when she, she plays a game with me as far as attacking me. Uh, if anything, I have a bullseye on my back um, for whatever it is that I've done that week. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. Um, you know, so that's, that's kind of a, that's the thing you have to work around to a point. Some of the behaviors I really can't accept are some of the ones where um, you get that, you always get that person who, uh, as soon as you attack them once, you're their target the rest of the game. Exactly, exactly. They're out to ruin your day. And and that frustrates me. Um, the person who plays um, excessively passively, they're ruining their own game more than mine. So I, I'm not too, you know, maybe it's I wouldn't necessarily choose this game for them next time. But, you know, as long as they're having fun, that's fine. Um, so really, there aren't too many that bother me other than some of the ones where the decision making is just irrational or there's some unspoken alliances where it's clear that they are not going, they're colluding or king-making to the point of they'll lose their game if it means not doing anything to harm this other person. Well, that, um, that gets into the Reinhard Knizia quote, the good doctor of board games, uh, who he has this uh, this famous quote that I see come up from time to time. That's uh, when playing a game, the goal is to win, but it's the goal that's important, not the winning. And I think a lot of people think of that as like meaning that, you know, winning isn't everything. But I, I think that's missing a big part of the quote, which the first part. To, yeah, exactly. The goal is to win. And that goal in and of itself is important. It, it to me, means that a game expects you to engage with it on its own terms. If you're playing a combat-heavy game and you're not engaging with that combat, you're trying to circumvent it, then you're actually like destabilizing the game entirely, which not only makes it not fun for you, but it makes it not fun for everyone else. You know, like it, the the whole system collapses if people aren't buying into that this is this type of game. I mean, there, there are games where you can kind of circumvent the, the primary intent of the game and it's like a viable strategy. But if you aren't making rational decisions that are in some way helping you, then you are actually denying fun to other people at the table, or at least to me, a well-designed game, uh, a more interesting game would expect that players are all kind of buying into it in roughly the same level. You know, Brooke's got a a comment out there in chat, actually, that... um kind of resonates a little bit with me on that is she she mentions her her midwest background as being very anti-conflict and all i can think of honestly is is like uh fargo very much uh, like (laughs) oh you know sorry about that fella didn't mean to attack your thing there you know very very much of that kind of like (laughs) right i want to do that (laughs) uh which is great you know honestly that that's a great personality to sit down with at the gaming table but maybe uh maybe a handicap in a conflict heavy game right um, and what I would say is philosophically, if it changes anybody's mind, um, you know, think of it as it's your job to provide as great of a challenge as possible to the other players, because that's what a conflict game, that's the system behind a conflict game, is that part of the challenge for other players is engaging with you. Right. You're attacking them, not to not to destroy them or make them feel bad, but because that's their thing to overcome. And if you're not doing that, you're not doing your job at that table as, you know, and so, so that gets to what I mentioned about being dispassionate is that you can always count on me to sit down at a board game table where there's a big element of conflict and evaluate my opponents equally. I don't ever pick on one person um, 
because if, if you're sitting at a, a player count of, say, four people, and all mm-hmm. you're doing is attacking the guy who's losing the worst, uh, well, you know, chances are then you're letting the other two get ahead. Just because there's an easy target doesn't mean you have to ruin their day. Um, likewise, if you're being attacked, it doesn't necessarily mean you need to get your revenge on anybody because the other person doing it might have been doing it because you presented a good opportunity. You need to be looking at other players as opportunities, as pieces of the mechanics of the game, not as um, not as personal interactions necessarily. Although, um, that being said, it's good to know the people you're playing with and know what their predilections are. If you're poking a hedgehog who's just going to attack you back, that's a, that is an interesting and important part of what I think the social aspect should be is knowing who has a tendency to react in certain ways. Right. And that becomes incredibly important in, in games with heavy negotiation where you can't protect yourself entirely from everyone right. at the same time, like Game of Thrones. But I... I I think the the best way that we can end this is uh, if we talk about like the best and most interesting and and fun combat implementations or conflict in general implementations in games. Uh, the the games that we really love we mentioned earlier, but I I think there are some other interesting ones that we can certainly talk about where. I think it's done really original things or piqued our interest. Um, you know, like for me, uh, one thing that that feels very different uh, than traditional combat games, but still gives me a little bit of that feel, is Spirit Island. Uh, <laughs> I know you you said earlier you opened this with saying you know that that relationship to another human player that's something that a board game can't replicate but it can do a pretty good job of trying to get as close of an approximation as it can to making you feel like you're being assaulted you're being denied the system itself is taking things away from me it's destroying my things and i'm having to work every mind muscle at my disposal in order to try to overcome this onslaught that's coming towards me let me just jump in and say that I agree actually with you in a lot of ways that that is a game that does one of the, for being a cooperative game and having no conflict whatsoever between players, uh, it actually does a really good job of feeling like uh, you're being invaded. I mean, that the enemies are invaders, but uh, <laughs> I'm sure so it's right there in the title, but it really does feel like, you know, there's, that's something I've actually, it's kind of, a, it's kind of a white whale. You know, one of those things that one of the, uh, I'd love to see more of is, a game where I am being invaded, but not by other players. A, a true conflict game with no conflict between players mm-hmm. would be interesting. Um, if we could play Game of Thrones, but instead we're fighting against you know the White Walkers or the others, depending on which one you want, um, instead of each other, that would be really interesting. Instead of them just being a side bet. Why are Spirit there Island really is that though? Cooperative or single player tower defense games. That's what I want to know. There's Why a, there's, a, there's some out there, but there it's just not it's not been done very prominently. I feel like is it's not as widespread as the you know um, should I call it, like the pandemic style where threats accrue on the board somewhere. Kind of thing. Yeah, well, like you and I played Orcs Must Die together, the video game, and we had a blast with that. And making Orcs Must Die the board game, which, you know, it had it many problems out there. But the idea of it being like a competitive game is 
bananas to me. Like, why isn't there a game where me and my friends are essentially setting up our defenses and continually manning those defenses, running interference against this onslaught? The, the invader situation that you were just talking about. Yes, Spirit Island kind of gets into that, but it's not quite that thing. I, I think that that is untapped potential out there for any aspiring designers. You could, and you could pull up a few examples of that, but again, yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's not as widely done or as well done necessarily. So what else, what, what, what's your current Bay? Like if you could play a conflict heavy game tonight, what's that going to be? Well, I mean, I did just get Kemet second edition, so I'll have to let you know about that one. But uh, <laughs> actually, to, to give mention to another great game that I like that kind of subverts some of what conflict games are all about. Uh, and I know you like this one, Spicy Vikings. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Blood, Blood Rage. Rage is, a, is a great example of a game where it can be uh, very conflict oriented. It's combat in a sense, but kind of like Dune, it's really more about just comparing some scores to determine an outcome rather than a, a direct combat. It still feels very much like combat though. I mean, your guys are dying and they're getting kicked off the board. You're, you're really jostling for space, um, but it doesn't feel as direct or personal sometimes. And also the, the heavy prevalence of strategies or, or outcomes where either the death of your units is mitigated or completely beneficial in some cases right. really helps subvert a lot of what can be a negative about conflict in that sometimes you want to lose in that game. And that's, that's an interesting thing. Um, or sometimes you just don't care if you lose, you're willing to go on these suicide runs and, you know, no big deal. If you lose, that wasn't the point of what you just did. The combat in that game reminds me of the Simpsons episode where Bart says, I'm just going to be punching and walking in this direction. And if you happen to get in my way, that's your own fault. And Lisa's like, well, I'm just going to be kicking in this direction and walking this way. And if you happen to get in my way, you know, it's like how I live my life, Jack. Exactly. I'm going to have a brawl here. That brawl might just involve me or it might happen to involve other people. If you come in my brawl. You, you, you're welcome to join, and then we'll just see who happens to have more brawl points. But I'm not brawling against you, I'm brawling against the location. Come on, come come dip your toes in with me. Yeah, exactly. that, that's such a, a, a great example, and I think that's part of the success for Blood Rage is, uh, for a lot of people, I think this was like uh, the 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 compromise, the conflict heavy game that you could bring home to your parents, you know, that you could bring to the, the, the non-confrontational friends and say like, I can have a combat in this area that is entirely just me. I have the only presence there, but if there's space, you can be invited into it and you can smush me with this giant, awesome ogre. And that's going to feel really good, but it's still, we're we're targeting an area rather than I am targeting you, uh, and I, I think maybe that that perspective flip in and of itself is enough. Uh, but yeah, that's a fantastic example. Um, I I think that as gaming has uh, developed, um, well, I guess gaming has been developing for as long as humanity has been around, but uh, as the, the modern tabletop game designs have developed, uh, I think there was this move away from direct head-to-head -head, uh, combat, but I still feel like we're, we're 
still in like a, a nascent stage for what tabletop gaming uh, is going to end up being. And I think there's going to be more of these interesting compromises uh, between different genres, different types of conflict, and purists, people who love old games, who, who love command and color systems, who love access and allies, are going to become designers who also learn some of the game design philosophy of wingspan and terraforming Mars and that well, kind of that, stuff. Well, that's what I love to see the most is, is those those you know old school sentimentalities of of heavy war gaming that seems to be you know a lot of older games just have so much are drenched in some of that stuff um and gaming is a way to to be like sports but on a table you know and and really meet the modern uh mentality of making sure that everybody's having a good time making sure that people aren't i mean even just the death of player elimination the elimination of player elimination uh you know the things like that the 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 getting rid of mechanics that deny people the presence of ketchup mechanics that, you know, 40 years ago probably would be blasphemy like ketchup mechanics. No, my opponent's stuff sinks to the bottom of the ocean and they cry about it. But um, <laughs> yeah, I love this. I love to see the blurring of genres and, and design philosophies in that way. Um, and, and I did want to point out uh, one other, one other interesting spot is, is if you want to dip your toe in conflict, maybe in, in that same vein, is maybe seek out like say like a, a worker placement game that invites uh, bumping spots for example as a light you know look for other games that you like but maybe with a little bit of conflict uh, Lancaster and Chimera Station are honorable mentions for me as being uh, their worker placement but you can bump your opponent's pieces and so there's an element of jostling for position. Well, as one little final bit of conflict here, a feel-good story, because, uh, you know, we're both dads, but I, I have a younger kid. Uh, my kid was finally able to play King of Tokyo yesterday, and it was one of the most heartwarming experiences in my life, and he wrecked me. I, I tried as hard as I could in order to slaughter him, uh, but um, I didn't get the, the claw rolls I needed at the very end, and he actually said, Dad, I'm going to kill you which is worrisome for a six-year-old uh but expected he was, though by the time they're 12 trust me yeah exactly he was in tokyo uh and he he had an extra head so he was rolling seven dice and he got five claws ending the game and it was about the best experience that he had had in a tabletop game to date and I think this is the first time that he and I have ever played a combative game where you are trying to win by taking down your opponents. And uh, he played with uh, my wife and I, and he crushed us. It was awesome. And uh, he's out for blood now. He's a shark. That is absolutely the experience I want to have. That that was my hope with Survive. Was you want? I want to have that experience where my kid can actually kick my kick my butt and feel good about it and just be, cheer them on. Uh, very much a, a, a good experience tonight. Can I actually? Do we have time? I'll share my my one best anecdote on a conflict. I, I will allow it. As right. the it involves you, so, so how could you pass? Exactly. Um, I don't know if you remember this one, but uh, but this is back when we were playing uh, our our monthly gaming group heavier games we had a six-person game of thrones game going god nothing nothing gets the pulse pounding when you <laughs> you see victory on the table and you were just right. i i never get that excited about playing you know brass where you know something economic is happening but i man when i have that move that i, I three moves and i'm gonna win i can do it i've got i can take this fort i can take this fort i can take that castle 
done. And no one else seems to notice that I'm in this position. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I, I felt very little figure at the moment. I'm, I'm going to ha- make it happen. And sure enough, the turn comes around, re- orders start getting revealed and everybody else is, I'm stalling for time. And all of a sudden, John's got another castle. Where did that come from? Okay. Well, now he's got another one. Well, that, that's crazy. He was in the middle of the pack just a second ago. Wait, he's only one away from winning and he's got more orders on the board. What are we going to do? Uh, and everybody just watches, waiting for me to win the game. And I flip that final attack. And it's like, okay, I have a choice here. I can attack up in the north or I can attack in the south. And I sit down and I do my zero-sum math game. And I math it out. And, and sure enough, Jack, I, I'm guaranteed to win, almost certainly. I've mathed it hard. But Jack is by one point the, the favorite to beat. So why take chances? Why not take the obvious, easier type? And I go for Jack. And he flips his zero leader card which for the faction he was playing, the, the Dorn faction, uh, he flips his, his, what is it, Oberyn? Right, right. No. Uh, yeah, so anyway, the, no, it's the guy It's the guy with gout. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, Doran Martell. Yeah. Yes. Uh, he, he's uh, the grass that hides the viper. Oh, God, and yes. <laughs> the grass beat me that day. I, I You flip that card, and all it says is the fight is over. Nobody wins. You both retreat. It doesn't win you the fight, but it leaves me stranded one castle short of victory. And there I am with five other players looking at me going, he almost just beat us out of nowhere in a single turn. He's going to have a bad day from now on. And I, they absolutely just demolished me after that. But it was the closest I've ever come to victory, only to be just denied completely. And I still remember it like six years later. It's um, one of the best experiences. And, and, that, and- that is what's great about conflict. And I, I think what was great about that particular group is that there was an assumption by all six people that we wanted to go in to each of those games, meeting them at their own terms. And because right. of that, we were able to apply that pressure to one another. So that's what what combat's all about. Well, I, I think this was a great discussion. I hope that we get some uh, questions or comments from people about their favorite uh their their favorite combative games uh and also if you have thoughts on things that you'd like to see us talk about uh then let us know i i want to put in a quick plug for the discord channel there's some great discussion that's going on there there's a link in the comments so definitely check that out and then if you can't catch all of these live streams but you still want to catch up to them you can always check it out on the video channel here or we have the podcast channel which the cardboard held started as a podcast way back in the day and has been continuing since and so we are um putting these these discussions up there um and i think that's it slow news week or not it's been a pleasure to meet up with you john and just talk combat and reminisce about some of our best experiences man all right well we'll uh, we'll see you next time and you're coming over for combat second edition right that's the plan all right, right. Thanks for everyone who joined us in the chat, and thanks, John. I'll catch you next time.